0: Lori mentioned uh, Kotz is feeling under the weather and uh, Valerie had uh, tested positive for COVID, but she has uh, taken uh, Pax Lovid and she's feeling a lot better. So, uh, so far, uh, Justin and Mari have been testing negative. So appreciate your prayers, but uh, God is good. Uh, and we're going to continue this series on the Bible for grown-ups that Kotz introduced. Uh, and if you uh, were hoping to get some teaching from Kotz, be sure to come back next week. I'm sure he, he uh, will be back. He, before I uh, made the offer, his plan was to record himself and send the recording and things but uh, I kind of knew that uh, that was not gonna be a good idea. <laughs> so yeah. so uh, it, I did volunteer, but uh, I have been thinking about this for a while, and, and uh, what I'm gonna be sharing is, is uh, not, uh, well, it's, it's something that I think the Lord has just been stirring up in me. And so uh, why don't we get going into this? But before I I talk about uh, the verses and things here, I wanna paint to you a picture, okay? And I want you to imagine that someone wants to learn about what a peach is. And so what you do, uh, what you may do, is you may buy a book, And it describes all about peaches, and what they look like, uh, where they grow, and things. And then you decide, well, uh, that's good, but how do I help this person really know what a peach is? Because a book is is good, but it doesn't quite have the same thing as uh, really knowing what a peach is, right? And so what what you decide to do is take that person out to an orchard or a place where peach trees grow, okay? And you you have them look and, wow, there's everything that was described in this book, I see now, right? And and maybe you pull uh, one of those peaches off the tree and you put it in their hands and they feel it and they say, oh man, This is just wonderful, right? But they don't really know what a peach is yet, right? Because to really know a peach, they're gonna have to eat it. They're gonna have to taste it. And that's kind of counterintuitive a little bit because what happens is they have to give up what they see and be able to digest it into into their being. And to me, a lot of times the Bible has been treated like trying to tell people about the peach. And we describe a lot of things. We have a a lot of books and things written and things. We may even take them to a Bible study. And everybody's opening up the Bible and and they're seeing all this and things. But they will not know the purpose of the Bible until they taste it. And to taste the Bible is, and this is, if you don't remember anything else about this message, the punchline is this. The purpose of the Bible is to know Jesus and to to know Jesus and to realize that he knows you and that there is a desire to have a Not just a relationship, but a close relationship. A relationship where there, just like when that peach is digested into your being and it becomes part of your living, that's the kind of relationship that Jesus wants. Is a relationship that will get to the very parts of your being. So that's where we're going to go with this, okay? And so let me take the first slide here, and uh, I think it, I'm gonna, because this is Katz's series, I think we should start off with a quote from Kots. okay? So this is the quote from Kots, and it, it, it says this. The Bible is a library of ancient literature representing a partnership of humanity and divinity, and that's what he said last week and uh, i like that definition i want to change it a little bit just because i'm a father-in-law and that's what we do (laughs) and and change it to say that the purpose of life the purpose of who you are is to represent a partnership of humanity and divinity so in other words you all are to be bibles you all are to be what is seen and experienced. There is a place for the Bible as literature and things, uh, and I'm going to show you a little bit of that, but bottom line again is the purpose of the Bible is not to know what all is in it, but is to know who it is about and who it points to. And what it is designed to do is to let you know that you are loved and you are seen and what you feel matters and that there is no one that is more important to God than you. And so why don't we get into this a little bit. In John chapter five, which is a book in the New Testament, Jesus said this to the people. He said, "You search the Scriptures because you think in them you have inner, you have eternal life, and it is they, the Scriptures, that is, that bear witness about me." He was talking to people who were very expert in the the. Uh, Scripture at that point, which was the Old Testament, and they knew everything about the Old Testament. And they thought, okay, this is the way, because it was given by God, this is the way to find life. And that's half right, right? It is the way to find life, except that it's not life itself. It's like all those books about peaches, or even being in the orchard and seeing the peaches. It's like, thinking that if i spend enough time in a garage i'll become a car right doesn't happen okay there there needs to be something transformative something that comes in that makes you change or what i would call become the person that god made you to be because god when he, got, when he first decided to put you on this earth, did not decide to put you on this earth because he wanted you to cause trouble on this earth. He didn't put you on this earth to be someone who everyone feared. He put you on this earth to bless the earth and from that blessing to, to receive blessing because it's what we we're designed to be. And so when Jesus says that the scriptures all point to him, what he's basically talking about is all the scripture basically points to relationship or connection, that all the laws, all everything contained within this library as Kot said is designed to describe and to inform about relationship between divine and humanity. And also, in that, to define humanity to humanity. Because, because what happens is, when your relationship with God is, is really healthy, it will affect the relationships you have with each other. And the same is, the opposite is also true. If, you're, if your relationship with God is not healthy, then you are very susceptible having unhealthy relationships between people, between humanity. It's just like with uh, Kotz and his family, right? They didn't choose to get sick, but they, they got a disease living in this world. In this world, we live in a sick world. There's a lot of disease and in order to stay healthy, we need things like Pax Lovid. And the, the Bible provides some of that Pax Lovid. And also human relationships with each other provide the other portion of that. So God has, God has an answer to disease, to, to unhealth. But it, when we, when it's like when we just think that one thing will do it, We mess in it because it's one person who does it and that's that relationship with jesus so i want to give you one of my ministry verses and it's found from ezra and ezra he writes this for ezra had set his heart to study the law of the lord and to do it and to teach his students his statutes and rules in israel If you look in the Hebrew, that idea of to study is not intellectual study alone. It has the uh, connotation of being so thoroughly knowing the subject that it's part of your life. And that's why I think the translator put, set his heart. He didn't set his mind. He set his heart. He he wanted his whole being to be able to be involved in the scripture. And from that, though, is, and to do it and to teach. So it wasn't just to be able to have this wonderful experience with God and and things. It was from that experience to be able to share it, to, to live it out, to be able to to have relationships that are healthy. My ministry focus has always been that I would know the scripture in that kind of way, that I would set my heart to know it so thoroughly that it becomes part of me, but not just for me, that I can teach it and do it and live it out. And what happens is It says, his statutes and rules in Israel. If we are truly having a healthy relationship with God, I believe there will be an urgent, uh, a nudge or a invitation or a desire in us to let other people know that they can experience the same thing. So it's not a matter of of you being guilted into, quote, evangelizing or somehow think, well, you know, God expects this, and so if I don't, he's going to be mad. I believe the, the better way to look at this is, as you've approached God and tasted just how good he is, and tasted how good that peach is, that you're going to want to share that peach with other people, because you know that they're going to be blessed by it, and you know that they could really use this as you listen to them and things so that's this verse is part of my ministry focus or the way i would i would do i do ministry personally is to know that to know scripture but not just know scripture for the sake of knowing scripture but to do it and to teach it and so let other people know about it okay so what does all that have to do with you all and I want to turn to a passage in 2 Corinthians. And it goes like this. It says, you yourselves are our letter of recommendation written on our hearts to be known and read by all. That was written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Corinth. And if you know anything about Corinth, it was a wicked place. And the last thing you would think that a person who was part of that community would want want other people to know, to know is that they were part of that community. It had a very bad reputation, especially among religious quote religious people that this was this was a place where you didn't want to be associated with but Paul says that you are our letter of recommendation right and that You show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human heart. So Paul was saying, don't teach the people scripture. Live your life. Live your life and that will teach the people scripture because you know scripture. If you've really done what, the, what scripture is intended to bring about and have that relationship with God, you don't need to be able to quote Bible verses per se. It'll, it'll help later on to have, as you get to know the person. But initially, the way to, to be involved in somebody's life is just to be who God created you to be, and be that loving person. Because that love comes from God. And so from that, Paul says this. Um, and such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency comes from god who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant not of the letter but of the spirit for the spirit kills but the spirit gives life you know one, one of the problems with uh the church has been in the in the message of what well, we believe in the bible that we've emphasized the letter and not the spirit. And what, what the letter does, according to Paul, is it kills. It's like, the, to me, the Word of God is like an x-ray, okay? An x-ray is designed to show where, where things are off. But if you live in an x-ray place, that's a bad thing, right? That's why they put that radiation thing over you, and, and because it'll kill you if you keep staying in that place, so you keep staying in a place of like being an x-ray machine, it's going to kill because that's not what it's designed to do. And the purpose of the Bible is not to be simply something that we hold over people and say we know more than you. It's not not to be a a a book that we use to make people feel guilty so they act the way that we feel they should. It's not any of those things that a lot of times that's what the Bible is used for. And I would really urge us all to look at how that has affected our relationship with God. Because if we feel like God is an x-ray machine, that all he wants to do is kill life out of us we're gonna have a tough time and so let me uh want to look at to kind of bring this into focus a, a famous passage from hebrews hebrews is an interesting book because we don't know who wrote it and uh just because Cost likes to give controversy, I'm gonna give you some controversy here. That, uh, you know, we don't know who wrote it. Some people think Paul wrote it. Some people think Apollos wrote it. Uh, In recent, or not recent, but uh, there has, I've read, uh, I think, some pretty strong argument for having this written by a woman named Priscilla. And Priscilla and Aquila, were in the uh, book of Acts and what they did was they brought in a preacher named Apollos and helped him understand Hebrew scriptures better to be able to improve his, his teaching, which is, there's a lot of Hebrew scripture in uh, Hebrews, right? And, and so I think, uh, and that's the controversy, you can disagree, that this was written by Priscilla. And the reason she didn't put her name in it was as it is uh, to a certain extent today, but hopefully getting better. If it's attributed to a woman, it's not seen as very authoritative or very uh, meant to be taken very seriously and things. But I think the early church knew who this was and, and they said, okay, if Priscilla doesn't want to put her name in, we, we get it. And they recognized it as scripture. So, you don't have to believe that, but believe that, that Hebrews is part of scripture. And whoever wrote it was led by the Spirit. And from Hebrews 4, first starting with verse 12, it says this, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart." That, if you look at it carefully, doesn't talk about acquiring knowledge per se. It's about looking into relationships, right? Where joints come together, where bone and marrow come together. Uh, and bone and marrow are, well, yeah, bone and marrow seemingly are two different things, but they represent life, right? To, to the, if the bone is, is healthy, is, on the outside it doesn't look broken, but inside, if it doesn't have the marrow in it, and it's getting the nutrients it's not really healthy right so there's this partnership of divine and humanity okay and spirit and uh, soul is uh, I believe there that uh, everyone has a soul whether you believe in Jesus or not you all have a soul but if you don't believe or you don't have a relationship with Jesus your spirit is dead and so it's like a bone without marrow growing inside of it there's no no life in it and so with that the, the Bible teaches about how the two need to be together they need to be working together so And the last thing about this passage is this. The analogy Paul uses is a sword, right? And a sword, just like an x-ray machine, can be used for a good purpose, but it also can be deadly and it can create great havoc. And so it needs to be handled well. It needs to be handled with, uh, maybe to, to kind of change the analogy here, a little bit. God has given us th- his word to be like a surgeon's scalpel, and not like a butcher's cleaver. And unfortunately, a lot of times, we've used the, the word of God as a cleaver rather than a scalpel, because we've cut out a lot of stuff that we should have never touched. So, having said that, I want to give you time to kind of reflect. Because after uh, the writer of Hebrews gave this passage, he goes into, he or she, goes into uh, something that uh, I think points to what I said, that the Bible was designed to put you in relationship, in a healthy connection with God. And Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13 says this and no creature is hidden from his sight but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account since we then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens jesus the son of god let us hold fast our confession for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. When God shows us something from his word, from from the Bible, it's not to make us feel guilty, it's to let us, be, know that we are invited into a relationship with, with a God who knows that before we even knew it and before he even, we, he, we even knew it what he said to us was I love you so it's not something that we may discover and we think wow that's so bad but God already knew that and what his response was, I love you. And his invitation is, come, let's journey together in this. You know, the, the problems uh, that we have is, uh, we understand to, to share something joyful, to share something that with other, another person that's joyful, that, that's a good thing, and, and so we, we really wanna do that, right? But the same principle applies to when something is hard and sorrowful and hurtful. That the invitation is God has people that he wants you to share that with so that you know that you are not alone. Nobody lives this life through self-sufficiency. That's what he talked about, right? When he talked about us being the letter Not that we're sufficient in ourselves; it's only in community and in relationship with with God that that happens. So I want to take some time to uh, have you just reflect on that, and if you uh, you know want to just uh, think about maybe the last time you heard an invitation from God, I want you to think about, was that invitation a demand, a command? Say, you got to do this. And I would invite you to, to maybe bring that back to God and say, God, this is what I heard. And see if he doesn't say something like, I want you to do this because I love you, but wherever you are, I'm here for you. And I want you to know that you don't have to be hiding from me. The pastors talked about being able to be naked, exposed, that there's nothing in you that will make me repel, be repulsed. From you that you are loved for who you are for the deepest part of you for the part that even you didn't know about i knew about and i loved you so what we're going to do is take a moment to just go and spend some time with god in silence but if you if you need things to think about i would advise you to think about what was your last interaction with God? And what was, maybe not so much what was the content, but what was the tone? What was the atmosphere in which it was? And if that atmosphere was not inviting, was not the kind of interaction that said that there's love just surrounding this place, I would would just bring that to the Lord and say, THIS IS WHAT I EXPERIENCED. SO WHY DON'T WE TAKE A MINUTE? Let me just close this time with a prayer. And uh, then uh, we'll, uh, I guess we have some time to take some questions, if you have any questions. So Father, I thank you that you are for us and not against us. That anything you say to us will never be in a tone or an attitude of, I don't. I am ashamed of you that your voice will always be I'm so glad that you're here that we can always know that you understand where we where we got to where we are and you said but I'm gonna stay and I'm with you and I'll never leave you because nothing that we do, Lord, will ever shock you into a state of wanting to flee from us. We may get that feeling. And I pray against the lie of the enemy that says that somehow that we uh, are not enough, but that we would hear your voice and say that you have made us sufficient. So thank you, Lord, for that, and thank you for being a God who we can trust. And I pray right now for any person who maybe, all of that seems nice, but not for me, that they would be able to know that it is for them. And even to be able just to tell you that and be honest with you in that, I believe is the beginning because the thing you want more than anything else is a genuine and authentic relationship, not a relationship where we tell other people what we've heard about you, but we tell you what we experience with you. So thank you, Jesus, that that's the kind of God you are and you always will be. In your name we pray, amen.